0: Well, here we are at the end of our series. This is it, folks. The end of experiencing God. (laughs) How depressing. Oh, no. (laughs) And I do hope, I hope that you have liked it as much as I've liked it, going through it and um, learning some things about what it means follow the Lord, to know and do the will of God and experience Him in the midst of that. I also hope we understand better the dynamics of even um, what it means to see God at work. See God at work in the world around us. See God at work in your families, in the church. See God at work everywhere that we go. And to know even how it is that God is speaking to us and how He reveals Himself to us and He reveals His will to us as we've looked at that. Hopefully that has been helpful. This morning, we're going to be looking at this last one experiencing God in the marketplace. And this is going to involve you and me as His people as we go off into the world out here and we engage in the world in the way that God has called us to engage. And there we experience God by this engagement. How is it we do this? What does this look like? What does it mean to experience God in the marketplace? That's what we're going to be looking at this morning. And before we do, let's pray. Father, we're so thankful and grateful for this opportunity. We thank you that we can come here before you and hear from you this morning. I ask that your word, your truth would speak to us, that we would have ears to hear, Father. You know us. You know our weakness. You know our our shame, our guilt, our confusion. You know the areas of unbelief. You know... You know where we're at, every single one of us here, and Father, I ask that all of us here would truly, truly seek to experience you in the marketplace. As we go out from here and in the world, that we would know the goodness and the glory and the pleasure of walking with you, working with you having you work in us and through us in the lives of others. So, Father, I ask for mercy this morning and grace to all of us who desperately need it. Amen. You know, in the old covenant, God raised up Israel to be a light to the nations, a light to the Gentiles. Those were his people. They wanted his people to to be able to portray what was it like to live under Yahweh. All the other nations were living under false and foreign gods and made-up gods, and they were seeing what it was like to live in that kind of darkness and bondage. And Israel was to be a people who lived under Yahweh, what life was like under blessing, under glory, and under light. And so the nations would look and see at Israel and say, Wow, look look at the wisdom of their God, the glory of their God, the goodness of their God. In the new covenant, God raised up a new people. He raised up Jew and Gentile, those who were once separated by the law and its ordinances. Jesus took away by the cross and making one new people. This new people, the people of God, we here, the Christians throughout the earth, are raised up. And you know what we are to be as well? We are to be a light to the nations, a light to the world. So that they would see and know what life under King Jesus is like they would see and know the glories and the goodness and the richness and the blessings of being in Christ Jesus. That is our primary calling in this world. And here's the thing. As we go and do that, as we go into the world, and as we shed the light of Christ from our lives, in this process, we experience... God in wonderful ways. So the point I want us to see, first of all, this morning is this, that God is at, the, at work in the world through his people and his spirit. I want us to see and understand this point and understand how this, the implications of this. God is at work. He's at work in the world through us, his people, through all of his people, and through his spirit. Jesus said, if you look at Matthew chapter 5, Matthew 5, verses 13 through 16, this is, the, this is his Sermon on the Mount, as we all know it, where he's just finished saying, Blessed are you who, who are this, blessed are you, blessed are you, blessed are you, all these blessings. And then he says this He says, You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall it be, its saltiness be restored? Jesus came into the world as this great light, a light shining in the darkness, as John put it. And as he's liberated his people, he is raising up and giving light to his people so that this salvation would reach the ends of the earth. This is how the prophet put it in Isaiah 49, verse 6. Is it too small a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved ones of Israel? I will also make you a light to the nations, so that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. In Isaiah, it is mentioned in several places that the Messiah, when he comes, he would be a light. This is one of the things he would do. He would be a light to the Gentiles. And then in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus reveals that he's not the only light. That he isn't just the light who came into darkness. What does he say in Matthew 5? You are the light. In fact, he says, you are the light of the world. Wait, Jesus, what about you? You're the light, aren't you? You're the light that's come into the darkness. Yes, I am. And when I come into your life, and I transform your life, and I work in your life, and I fill your life by the Spirit, you become light. And you're to be the light to the nations. You're the light of the world. And this light is what he says. It's not to be hidden, is it? You don't take a light. The whole purpose of light is to light up the darkness, right? And he uses this object lesson of a lamp. Who would take a lamp, light a lamp, put it over here in the corner, and then put a basket on top of it? Some weirdo. We know that. Is that. strange. It's like you turn on the lights, and why do you turn on the lights? To dispel the darkness. Oh yeah, that's right. That's what light is. So now you're the light of the world, and that's what you're to do you're to take my light go into the world and bring salvation to the nations but then we still have to ask the question how is it we do that well we're to go into the world and jesus goes on in the sermon on the mountain matthew 5 and he talks of several things that that mark his people of light we're the ones who go into the world and live as he goes on to describe those who ask who give sorry who give to those who ask Those who bless, those who curse, who love our enemies. If someone asks us to go one mile, we go two. We're to be those who pray for those who hate us. We're to be those who seek the Lord. We're to be those who seek the good and blessing of others. And why do we do this? Because this is how Jesus treated us. We were the ones who received the very grace and the very things that we're called to give. We were the enemies of God. We were the ones who cursed. We were the ones who, who, were, who were running away from God, and God pursued us. In the Lord Jesus Christ, He's loved us, He's blessed us, He's given to us, He's called us, He's drawn us near. And for those who enemies, those who, were, who did not like him but despised him, he died for them. It isn't because we're good people that we do these things. It's because we were by nature bad people. But Jesus has done such an amazing work by his love and by his spirit in us that he's created new creatures. We're new, cre- new creations in Christ. And we've been given light. And now he says, go and let the light shine in the world. And so only as we come to know his love in our hearts, it will only be as we know his love, in your, and as, as you know Christ's love in your hearts. It will only be as you know his love and you know the power of his spirit working in you that you're able to actually to go and to, cur- to bless those who curse you. Who does that? Who loves their enemies? Who, when asked to go a mile, goes two miles? Who, asks, who when asked for their, their cloak, gives them their tunic also? Who goes above and beyond and loves in this way? Jesus is calling his people to this because this is how Jesus has worked in his people. And he's put his spirit in his people so that this light would shine. This is the light he wants. It's a a different kind of love than the world knows, isn't it? It's strange. It's odd. It goes beyond all nature. The natural realm in Adam is all, what is it? Self-concern, self-interest. It's all about self. It's all about me. It's all about protecting me. It's all about defending me. It's all about exalting me. It's all about me. And Jesus says, You're going to have a completely new orientation. Why? Because I'm going to solve that problem in you by loving you in such a way that transforms you. And then placing my spirit in you to do a work in you. And so, as a result of this, we go now and we manifest Jesus to the world. We are the way God works in the world. But we're not the only way. Because God also by his spirit independent of us is working in the world as well. Not just upholding it by his power. We know that. The spirit upholds all things. It's in him that we live and move and have our being. Every single person is really being ministered to and upheld right now by the work of God. But more specifically in John chapter 16, 7 through 8, Jesus says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, what will he do? He will convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. So as we live our lives of love and declare the glorious news about King Jesus, what he's done for the nations, what he's done for the world, Stuff happens because the Spirit is already at work in people's lives. Convicting them, drawing them towards Jesus, convicting them of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. He's at work out there. And so our work and the Spirit's work come together beautifully and people are drawn to Jesus People are drawn to the light. People people come to him. People find and look at us curiously, and they're drawn, and they're drawn by the Spirit. They come under conviction of sin, of righteousness and judgment, and then you present Jesus, and now all of a sudden, he's attractive. Jesus is only attractive in what he's done if you see yourself as a sinner, unrighteous and under judgment, and all of a sudden, if you're in that predicament, what do you want? You want a Savior. But apart from that conviction, apart from that work of the Spirit, you will look at Jesus and you'll say, what's the big deal? So the Spirit must also be at work in the world. And He is. We know that. That's just, he's come to do that. And we're at work. God is at work in us and through us in the world to bring the light of Jesus to the world. And so the two will come together. And all of a sudden, more and more people flood into the kingdom from every tribe, tongue, and nation. So God is at work both in the world, through his people, and by his spirit. And in saying this, I want us to understand something else. That there's a particular manifestation of how this work comes about, what it looks like. Because as we express love in the marketplace, we experience God in the marketplace. This is very important. Sometimes as Christians, especially as men in places of our work, uh, the only thing we do in our work to shine the light of Christ is think, this is the one thing we think, yeah, just work hard. It's simple, that's what I know, that's what I do, so you work hard. But sometimes we don't even think to do that much. Because we just get caught up in our work. We get caught up in what we're doing. We forget our mission. We forget why we're in the world. What has God sent us to do? We just think we're to do a job, and we do our job. We get caught up in our work. But the central thing Jesus wants us to do is love. Love is the primary way that we manifest the light to the world. And of course, this includes hard work, but there's so much more than that as well. In several places in the gospel, Jesus said the summary of the whole law and the prophets was what? You remember? He said, to summarize in several places, he says the the summation of all the law and the prophets is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And to love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. This is it. This is the central component is love. And then you know what? I, Jesus also said something very interesting. In John 13, 34 through 35. He says, a new commandment I give to you. Did you hear what he just said there? A new commandment. This is odd. Find this a little strange. A new commandment I give to you. That you love one another. What? That's kind of what you've been talking about this whole time. It's what the, all the law and the prophets are, are about, right? And he says, by, he says, I love one another just, here's a qualifier, just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. And by this, people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Now clearly, the newness part can't be the love, just simply love. Right? What's so new about this? New commandment. They're scratching discussion the head. What's so new about it? But here's what's new. To love just as I have loved you. Something you will notice about the love in the old covenant is this. It's very do not oriented. It's all about what you should not do to your neighbor. Because in doing these things, you would harm your neighbor and it would not be loving. There's not a lot of really positive things. Do this, do this, do this. In Jesus' life, uh, you don't just see a guy who's not doing things. To his neighbor. Boy, he's such a kind, nice guy because he doesn't come and steal my stuff. But instead, you see a proactive love, a love that gives, a love that blesses, a love that serves, a love that honors, a love that esteems, a love that praises, a love that heals, a love that delivers, a love that exalts, a love that saves, a love that sacrifices. So the new part of this he says, love like I've loved. It's a lot different. This is actually, okay, now we're talking a different game. There's a newness to this. It's very proactive. It's not sit back and make sure you don't do things. It's step forward and do things. Just think of it this way. If Jesus were at your work, or Jesus were in the marketplace... His primary goal would be to love, love everyone who was around him in very proactive ways. And of course, this would mean that he would work hard for his employer. It would definitely mean that. But it would include much more than that. Jesus would be looking you can guarantee it, he'd be looking for every opportunity, in both verbal and nonverbal ways, to communicate love to the people around him. Think of him. Think don't, now. Obviously, don't think of Jesus as Messiah because Jesus lived 30 years as undercover. He lived 30 years where he wasn't healing and casting out demons and raising the dead and healing the sick. Right? He lived 30 years, and what did he do? Well, he lived in the world, but he is in the world living in a way that was undercover in terms of his messiahship. A lot like we do because we're not messiahs. There's only one Messiah. So you think about how would he live? How would he, have been gre- how would he have greeted people in the marketplace? You can guarantee he would have been greeting. He would have been helping everywhere he could. He would have been praising others. He would have been bring, trying to bring joy where he could. He would have been listening. He would have been having compassion. He would have been very interested in their lives. He would have been admonishing and correcting if necessary and doing the very best he could for whatever company he worked for. Jesus would be doing, would be proactively loving in very practical ways. It would be the primary thing he did. And he would have been shining as a beacon of light. Who is this guy? Wow. Jesus, it says in Luke, that as he was little, he was growing in favor with both God and man. Growing, continued to grow in favor. He grew out of favor when he started to poke his finger in the eyes of the spiritual leaders of the day because he knew where he was headed. Those very people were going to crucify him. And now, because Jesus has loved us and because the spirit, his spirit has been placed in us, he calls us to go and be light and to love in the marketplace, in the workplace. And to love in such a way that you become a shining beacon of light, representing him in his name. This is our, do you realize that if you think about what are you called to be and do? Well, that has specific ramifications. Some are called to be doctors, and some are called to be plumbers, and some are called to be dentists, and some are called to be surgeons, and some are called to be. Carpenters And some are, you know what I'm saying? School teachers and on and on. Those are specific callings. But generally, you know what? We're all called to be and do the same things. We're called to be the light of the world. We're called to take the love of Jesus into the world. We're called to be the expression of God. People are to see the kingdom of God, the glory of Jesus in us. And how do they see that? In very proactive love. Love expressed. Love like Jesus loved, very sacrificially. So if you look like that, what would that look like in the practical details where you're called? What would that look like where you're at? What would that look like in your greetings to others? What does, can you express love through greeting? Yes, you can. What would that look like in your helping and serving others? What would that look like? What would that look like in perhaps your appreciation and praise of others and your building up and encouraging others? What would it look like? Now, what would it look like from you, coming from you specifically, because you have a personality, right? Your personality and each personality here is different. So what would that look like being expressed through you? That's probably one of the healthiest things we could ever do is envision what this would look like. What would it look like if I went into the marketplace and everyone I did I was my, my goal, my passion was to proactively love the people around me that actually has a it has a face to it it has a sound to it it has footsteps and hands to it it has expression right? and it has expression in the details but we often don't think about this do we? we don't envision what that might look like in our In the marketplace, because often we don't focus, we don't prepare, we don't think about it when we approach the marketplace. You know, most of you probably know—I think know—that I play hockey twice a week, and I play with a bunch of pagans um, who seem to be proud of it, Um, and. I can go there in two different mindsets. I can go there with the mindset and the focus of just improving my game and trying to do the best I can and get caught up in it. It's very easy to do. And when I do that, it usually doesn't work out so well. Uh, I find myself getting frustrated. I find myself being a bad example. In fact, because it's kind of an intense game, I can find myself at times being, being a jerk. And you end up being a jerk because you get very hungry to possess the puck, say. And when somebody else prevents you from getting what it is you want, that frustrates you. And so it lends itself to some frustration. But, and so you passionately go after it. And, and yet, so there's Dean out there, and when I'm like that, I regret it afterwards, and I wonder why I do it, I should just quit. I'm just a stupid idiot. And and all I do is I'm not not honoring Christ in the way this is working out. However, there's good days. And there's good days where I go and I'm praying on the way. I'm praying for the guys. I'm asking God to, you know, please, Lord, that I I just What I want to do is I want to give you a good name. I want to to show you through my life to these guys, please, please have mercy on me. Please work through me. And when I go with that kind of focus, that kind of prayerful preparation, I'm a different guy because I care a lot less about just getting the puck and just, you know, improving or, do, or exalting myself. Or it's just, It's just not self-oriented. And I'm far more concerned about the other guys. And so I find myself praising them a lot more and 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 i look back and I think what a difference here i am saying hey good shot wait way to go that was great stuff and here i'm i'm really become this person who's actually encouraging and i'm and i'm building the the the, i'm changing the environment it's amazing really you can begin to change the environment it starts to change people come and they really start enjoying playing with you they really start coming out more guys start coming out things start to change It's a dramatic difference. Going from being a jerk to manifesting Jesus. And all of us are capable of either. And I'm finding that it really is in our focus and preparation. Why do I go into these things? Why am I going to work? Why are you going to the marketplace? Why are you going there? Are you just simply going to make a buck? What are you doing there for? Doing it for. A lot of times, that's really what it is. Our focus and preparation But what does Jesus says? You are what? You are the light of the world. That's what I'm calling you to be. Light of the world, to go into the world and to love the world and shine my light, so that people could see and know something is different about you and be attracted to this light. Picture in your mind. Picture in your mind what it would look like. For you. To love the people at your work, to love the people at the marketplace, in the stores around your neighborhood, to love them in such a way that they're wondering where this comes from because it's different. Could you see? Could could you imagine that? Think of what would that look like if you did this? What would it look like if you, your personality, you did this where you work, where you live? What would it look like? Because you've got to know what it would look like or you don't even know where to start. It's a powerful thing to begin to just visualize what this might look like and the impact it might have. You know, what happens when we actually love like Jesus has loved us and we go into a world and we begin to love, powerful things happen. You know, some people think that, oh, you just get used and abused. No, you don't. You actually get highly exalted and honored. It's something that people are attracted to, people admire. And sure, you'll find your critics, but they're envious ones. They're the ones who envy you. They're the ones who look at you and it seems like you've got something going on and they don't have it and they don't like that. But loving has a powerful impact. It impacts your life. You will, ex- In the process of loving, you will experience God like you've never experienced Him before. As you give yourself away in service to others... Loving others, practically. And not only that, others have a tendency to lift you up. I recently shared this story at the men's retreat, and it bears sharing again, because I think it's, it's a great story and a great example. And most of you are probably familiar, at least with the name, of Charles Schwab. He was the highest paid employee of all time in the early 1900s. He was paid over a million dollars a year. And this was at a time when $2,400 a year was considered well-off, just for perspective. So $2,400 a year was well-off. They paid him a million dollars a year. That's wow factor. Never unprecedented, never heard of. And he didn't achieve this because he was the smartest employee because he had something better than all the rest or that he was more shrewd and genius at business deals than the rest or because he was just he had uh, you know some intangible that was just um, they didn't know what it was it was this reason it was because he was the greatest man at stirring, uniting and motivating others to do what no one else could do and how did he do this? Well, let him speak for himself. Here's a direct quote from him. He says, I consider my ability to arouse enthusiasm among my people as the greatest asset I possess. And the way to develop the best that is in a person is by appreciation and encouragement. There is nothing else that so kills the ambitions of a person as criticism from superiors. I never criticize anyone. I believe in giving a person incentive to work, so I am anxious to praise but loath to find fault. I, if I like something, I, heart, I heartily give my appreciation and I lavish my praise. He also said, I have yet to find the man, however exalted his station, who did not do better work and put forth greater effort under a spirit of approval than under a spirit of criticism. Here was a man who was able to impact people's lives to such a degree that they're willing to pay him a million dollars a year because they're like, how does this guy do this? Like, they just was floored. He practically, in really practical ways, what he did is he loved the people around them. His goal wasn't to, to, to get on them and to whip them and to prod them and to yell at them and to scream at them and think, you know, isn't that our tendency? If, like, man, how do you really motivate someone? Well, just start screaming. And if that doesn't work, whip him. Do something. And so it's counterintuitive almost. Think, well, no, he, he would find everything he could to encourage, to praise, to uplift. And, 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 and these guys, they started getting excited to come to work, excited to work for him. And they could see that anybody around this guy, he built people up to such a degree that they just, they would walk over coals, to use an old expression, for this guy. They would do anything for him. And they would come to work. If you put this group of people under him and a group of people under somebody else, these people would out- outperform them to a sick degree. They are showing up way earlier. They're staying late. They're just going for it. I know there are very few who understand the power of love and its ability to transform this world. I think part of the problem as we don't realize even what maybe this love looks like, where we're at. Maybe we haven't even taken the time to really think about what does it look like. What does it look like where you're at? Now you've got to give feet to it, right? It's got to be you. Got to what is it? What would it look like if you walk into the office on Monday morning and you're seeking to, and your primary goal is to express love towards the people around you? Does it affect your greeting? I would say it does. Does it affect the way you work? I would say it does. Does it affect the way you re- deal with others around you? I would say, yes, definitely does. But hey, why don't we do this? I don't know Dean' prof. I never think of it. I, that's what I would think. We just I don't think of it. I don't really it's not on my radar. When I go out in the marketplace, I have goals, usually, right? And usually my goals include getting something done, being a certain amount of productivity. My goals might include, maybe it's project-oriented. Maybe it's money-oriented. I just got to get some cash. Whatever. A lot of times our goals as to why are we going, what are we going to do, are often anything but to love and to bring the light of Christ where we're at. But hey, let me ask you a question. What is Jesus calling you to as his people? What does, he want you to want? what does he want to be your primary purpose? What should be that goal on top? To love. Well, then you say, well, what about the productivity? What about all this other stuff that, you know, needs to get done? Believe me, it'll get done. And it'll get done much better. I would like to challenge you all today to do something, sometime today. If you're married, perhaps you could sit down with your spouse, if you're single, by yourself, and take some time to actually think through, and maybe even write down, but process. Have a conversation with someone and talk to somebody about the practical details. What would it look like in your life if this is how you lived in the marketplace, what would change? And you, know, you don't have to revolutionize, but could you make one step closer toward it? Perhaps if all you did is say, you know what? I'm going to pray each day as I on my way into the world, into the marketplace. I'm going to pray, oh, Lord, please help me. Help me to love. Show me how I can practically love. I want to I manifest you. I want to give you a good name. I want to represent you wherever I go. And I want, please, help me in this. I tell you, if that's all you did, if that's the improvement you made, I, that's amazing. That would begin to transform you. You don't have to go from, you know, I don't do anything to doing everything. I quit. I can't do that. No, you, you, can, you can grow. You can grow in this. And if what you do, I think, primarily start with is praying to the Lord about this particular thing. That's the best place you could start. You know, if you do this, I can guarantee you that this will not only change the world around you, it'll change you. you don't, do you know how exciting it is to have God work in you, through you, in other people's lives, and to watch their lives being impacted as God is doing something in you in them? It's it's an exciting exchange. You will experience God. You will experience grace. You will experience love even in your own heart as you never have before. So, please, as I close this morning, as you go from here today, as we go into the world, experience God by going in love, to love the people around you and go with eyes wide open seeing where it is that God's at work around you. And may the Lord grant us a sensitivity by His Spirit to know what His Spirit is calling us to, nudging us into, and we grow in submission and sensitivity to His Spirit as we walk into the worlds that we go into and experience God in a powerful way as we love others. Amen. Father, I thank you for a time. I thank you for... Um, I thank you that you loved us in amazing ways and I just ask that you would stir our hearts to love others, that we would truly... This would be our passion. This would be our focus. This would be our goal. This would be really what we're about is seeking to love as we have been loved. And we would get our focus off ourselves. We get our focus off of our own agendas. We get our focus off of constantly just trying to to get ahead in this world by ourselves, to exalt ourselves, and we would really seek to glorify and exalt you and love as we've been loved. Father, please have mercy on us to do this. Work in our hearts and uh, do something wonderful through us. For we ask this in Christ. Amen.